attention, attention all personnel. It's MASHCAST. Hello and welcome to MASHCAST, the show that analyzes and celebrates episode by episode the greatest TV series of all time, MASH, which aired on CBS from 1972 to 1983. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, General Robert Iron Guts Kelly. And joining us this week in the VIP tent is my friend, Captain Dan Budnick. Hi, Dan. Hello, sir. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. I am so happy to finally have you on the show. You and I have recorded different shows over the years. Yes. We've talked about all sorts of TV ephemera, whether it's <laughs> yes, Police please. Squad or In Search Of, but we've yes. never done a MASH cast, so I'm so, I'm so happy to finally have you here on the show. It's great to be on. I, um, I, uh, I, I think maybe when you started, I said, ooh, Rob, can I be on? And you sent a very specific email saying, Dan, I have a long list of people. <laughs> And you will be gone when we're, we're your time's right. And you, know, and you said something like, what do you think of season 11? And I said, I love it. <laughs> I'm such a dick sometimes. So <laughs> anyway, the episode we're here to talk about is season three, of course, episode 16, Bulletin Board, which originally aired on January 14th, 1975. Uh, but before we get to the episode, Dan, I have to ask you, like, what is your history with MASH? I, I'm afraid my history with MASH is probably the same as a lot of other people's history with MASH. I will try to come up with something better right now if I can. <laughs> but I, I was born in 73, so MASH was there uh, you know, until you know it went off the air. And, and it was I, – I watched it more in syndication than I ever did in prime time. Okay. I don't know why that was because around the same time, another favorite show of mine, forgive me if it's Jejun, but was Happy Days. And Happy Days I used to watch primetime. For some reason, I didn't watch MASH. I don't, I don't know why that was. I, I, think it's, I think early on I had an uncle who – it was a long time before I saw Robert Altman's MASH. Right. Um, and I had an uncle. I think it was my uncle Mike. And we were – it was maybe 79 or 80 and I was six or seven or something. And the theme song started playing. And as with uh, many 70s theme songs, I – and this, this one's appropriate. I just – when I hear the theme song, I want to jump off of something or I just want to – leap into something i just they just oh they just depress me and <laughs> and i don't i it's just it's just one of those things you know if you want a fun theme song go to the 60s if you want one that's going to dare you apart from the bob newhart show oddly enough bob with all the pounding drums and everything which you wouldn't think um but but if if you want a theme song that almost dares you sometimes to keep watching we dare you. The '70s shows do that a lot, and Barney Miller is one a oh, show that I love. I have that man. That's a great theme. I have to skip. I don't know why, but it makes me sad when I hear it. <laughs> and Welcome Back, Cotter, for example. Oh my gosh! I mean, that's such a depressing song. But but the thing with Mash is that I, I remember I was sitting with my uncle Mike. I think we were in his living room. My uncle Mike is the one, by the way, who um, in their downstairs uh, bathroom in the cabinet above the toilet, he's the one that had like a hundred Playboys in there that I discovered one day. But I think we discussed that on an earlier podcast. Anyway, fun guy. Um, <laughs> we did, yeah, he did, I think we discussed that when we talked Cinderella so long ago with Sarah Jane. <laughs> That's right, we um, did that too over in Film and Water. That's right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but but I, I was sitting there and Mash started, and I I just loved Alan Alda. I thought he was hysterical. I, I love the whole cast, but Alan Alda's. Why I, I've always loved Groucho Marx and mm. Alan Alda was always a um, uh, 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 wisecracking favorite of mine. And um, so, so the theme song started, and I remember my uncle saying something. Now I didn't know. I was six. I was seven. Hey, hey, Dan, do you know this? Used this was a movie. I said, Oh, was it? I think I, I think I vaguely knew that. And I said, Oh, and he said, And this theme song that's in the movie. I said, Really? Yeah. Do you know what it's called? No. <laughs> Suicide is painless. <laughs> And I, being sick, said, what's suicide? Oh, that's when you kill yourself. <laughs> and my uncle grabbed his Bud Light and said, raised it to me and took a, mm, mm. ah, Danny, enjoy. This one's going to be wacky. And I just said, suicide is painless. What's that? Go what's happening? What's going And I was just, and so it, it was this, <laughs> this weird thing where it was, I, I think it was watching it prime time at night made me, when I heard the theme. I think just 
thinking what it was called made me sad. And so I could watch it during the day, though, at like 5 p.m. because like Wheel of Fortune or something would be on. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, so it would immediately snap me out of it. But if, it, if it's if it's nighttime and I'm getting ready to go to sleep where I'm already terrified of the dark <laughs> and everything under my bed and in the closet. I was the guy – I don't know if you used to do this, Rob. I used to have a bunch of stuffed animals up until I was like, she's 24. I'm kidding. But I used to have a bunch of stuffed animals and I would put them around the perimeter of the bed. Interesting. Because if something reached up from under the bed, it would grab a stuffed animal first. And I'd hear the stuffed animal being destroyed, and hopefully I could yell for mom or dad. I, it's, but, a, it's a good plan. I like it. Yeah. Um, so any any youngsters listening, any five- or six-year-olds listening, <laughs> please take that into account. But but so I think that's why I didn't do it prime time. But during the day when it was on, like I want to say like 5 p.m., something like that, I watched it not religiously. But it was like if it, if it was on and I knew it was on, I'd watch it because uh, it made me laugh. And I could tell that there was something going on in it more than the average sitcom like – Say like the monsters, mm-hmm. and so so I knew that there was more to it. At that age, I didn't know what it was. I and I don't think I quite understood why there were jokes in the OR, but there was no laughter mm-hmm. there. It wasn't. Yeah, obviously later on I learned. You know, obviously you, we all know why. But um, but as like a six or seven year old, I knew something was off, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just adored the show, and I watched it. And I had I think it was the first show I encountered. That um, where it wasn't me. I was throughout the 80s and even now I'm a big collector of books on TV shows. Um, I'm actually writing one right now. But and but but, you know, like there was the odd couple book and an Alfred Hitchcock presents Mark Scott Secree's Twilight Zone Companion, The Outer Limit, you know, all these great books. Doctor Who has had like 400 of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first one I ever encountered. Was there was this big hardcover mash book that my cousin Kenny got one year, and I remember sitting like in the corner by the tree, eating my grandma's popcorn balls, and just flipping through this mash book for hours. And yeah, maybe getting some sticky stuff on the book. It wasn't my book. I didn't care. And I was just flipping through, and just and it was just like seeing this enormous book with all this information about a TV show. And this was, I don't know when that book came out, 82, 83, something like that. If, you, Plus, if, if it's the book that I'm thinking of, which is Susie Coulter's The Complete Book of MASH, uh, it came out in like 84, right after the show went off the air. And it still kind of remains the book on the series. Okay. That could have been it. Yeah. And and also the other thing with MASH is that in my in my childhood, in my sort of hip gang, which consisted of me and my stuffed animals, who that was an ever dwindling membership in that gang, as you might imagine. Um, the the cool, one of the cool things was Cracked Magazine, of course. And during the late seventies, early eighties, there was the the favorites of Cracked Magazines were the Fonz, Star Wars, Mork, Gary Coleman, uh, the A Team, and Mr. T, and Mash. Mash was on the cover like six or seven times, and they did all these different – like a year before MASH ended, they did an article like, what would happen if MASH ended? You know, And it was wacky. And, um, and, and I think in the end, they decide not to end the show. The network decides to extend the war another year. So they, um, <laughs> Drawn by John Severin, so it was gorgeous yes, to look course. at. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and and so so throughout, like Mash was just one of those shows that was that was there, and of course, obviously, I remember sitting with this was um, maybe a year or two after my dad died, so it was my mother, my sister, and myself sitting in our living room, three thirteen Barry Road in Irondequoit, New York, the corner of Barry and Seneca. If you're looking, it's the Orange House. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's it was orange. I think it's still orange. And, and I remember sitting there. I forget when Goodbye Farewell and Amen and was aired. Was it seven thirty to like ten or was eight, it eight thirty? Eight thirty. Eight thirty to eleven. Eight thirty eleven. Okay. I mean, I remember sitting there watching that with my mom and my sister and just loving it. Now, as I said, I I didn't watch it at prime time. So some of the stuff, like starting off with Hawkeye in like uh, with like a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I was like, so wait a minute. I missed like the 11th season. So I was like, so wait a minute. So being that wacky all the time makes you crazy? What? <laughs> I, luckily, that didn't stop me. But um, but but I remember sitting watching that and just loving it. And and since then, um, it's, it's, it's a show that when the DVDs started coming out, I bought – I didn't buy all of them. I, I kind of stalled somewhere around five or six. Mm-hmm. I do need to continue. But it's a show that I adore – and it's a show that um, listening to actually Mashcast over the past. When did Mashcast start? A thousand years ago. It feels Some, like, I've, like I've been that, in yeah. my back room for three months. I don't know what's going on anymore. <laughs> uh, but 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 
listening to Matchcast get, gets me back into it, and there are episodes I hop back to, and I, I it's a show that I want to I want to go from beginning to end on again. But I'm so glad that we got to do this episode because I I I can remember this episode is one scene in spe- in specific in particular. Very specifically, haha! That's okay. the sentence I was trying to complete. <laughs> so, so yeah, so yeah, that's that's my mash story. It's mostly like everyone else's, but I tried to throw in random tangents there. I appreciate that. I've also uh, thank you for mentioning the theme because, of course, uh, since the last episode I recorded, the, the composer of the mash theme, Johnny Mercer, passed away at age ninety four. Yes. Uh, I mean, so I mean, that's the name you see. His name, his name is on the credits on every single episode of Mash as the writer of the theme, and it is an incredibly memorable song. And like you, I didn't, I didn't see the Mash movie until I was like a teenager uh, mm-hmm. because I mean, it was like rated R or whatever it was. And uh, you know, I didn't know that the song was called "Suicide Is Painless" until many years <laughs> later, and I was like, "Wait, what? That's the name of a of a sitcom TV show? <laughs> like, what if I were rock around the clock on Happy Days? <laughs> this is over here, Schlemiel, Schlemiel, that the." Suicide is painless. Yeah, <laughs> I was just go. like, what the hell? Life is a qu- <laughs> you know, this kind of, it's all this nice. I was just a bunch of gibberish I just said. I couldn't remember the words of the Three's Company. Yeah, that's okay. I think you got it. Anyway, <laughs> well, anyway, that's outstanding. So thank you so much for, for that a history of you and, and MASH. Um, as we mentioned, the show is Bold and Bored. It aired on January 14th. It was written by Larry Gelbart and Simon Muntner and directed by Alan Alda. Uh, this episode revolves informally around the Camp Bulletin Board as we see some of the various events taking place at the 477th that are announced on the board. Henry gives the camp a lecture about sex, and a pledge for people to buy war bonds is posted. Hot Lips asks Frank to borrow some money for her sister, and he refuses, causing all kinds of problems between them. Trapper writes a letter home to his daughter Becky, telling her about his life at the 477th, including just how bad a Dr. Frank is. Uh, For instance, he writes off a patient as dead, one that Trapper saves when he realizes he's suffering from hypothermia. The night's movie is announced, a Shirley Temple picture, and a fight between Klinger and Zell breaks out during it. Later, Henry has trouble with the patient and his mood sours. When Hawkeye and Trapper show him the announcement about the picnic to raise money for Sister Teresa's orphanage, he initially refuses, thinking the temporary respite from the war makes it all the worse when it's over. But he eventually changes his mind, and the 477th actually manages to have some fun during the picnic, playing music, performing a puppet show for the kids, having an egg race, a sack race, and then finally a tug-of-war contest, officers versus enlisted. In the meantime, Hot Lips doesn't take too well to Frank's offer of a loan at a small, very reasonable interest rate. Just as everyone ends up in a pile of mud, Raider hears the sounds of choppers, ending everyone's fun. Later in surgery, Henry quietly suggests that having the picnic was a good idea. Hawkeye and Trapper, happy to hear Henry not sounding so down, agree. So, all right, Dan, uh, I've mentioned this over the course of previous episodes this season where you can tell that some of the episodes of MASH are just kind of grab bags of ideas yes. where they have like maybe three or four story threads and they don't have really a, a theme. It's just, mm-hmm. we're just going to put them together in an episode. This episode is that to me times a thousand where they even have yes. like just random bits. It's not even like, you don't even have like <laughs> four storylines that run through the 23 minutes. It's yes. literally just a grab bag of scenes. Now, I don't mean to say that in a, in a as like a pejorative like that's a bad thing but to me this episode is really like the bulletin board and that it is just random things that you might find on a bulletin board some things you know run through the show and some are just one little one-off scenes in here it's kind of amazing that they put a show together like this that it really is just i feel like it's like scraps of stuff that they had from previous the previous seasons yeah (laughs) that that was kind of the the thought i had and the fact that it 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 it's such a I think it's such a good episode. Alan Alda really does a lovely job directing it, especially the um, the uh, events at the picnic mm-hmm. in the end. I think he does. A, I mean, I was watching those events, and there's like a game with a spoon and water. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it. Um, I'm sure we played it in Boy Scouts, and I got really bored really quick. And then there's a like a foot race, and then there's a tug of war, and that made me think: Is this like a, a backdoor pilot for Battle of the Network Stars? <laughs> what are they doing here? This is great. And did that thing make you sad? Yeah, and and um, I'm sorry. Did that theme make you sad for the uh, the uh, the uh, con- what was the name of the show you just said? Is blank dog Battle of the Network Battle Stars. Battle Network Stars. Did that theme make you sad as a child too? Oh no, no, I love that. I think because I remember the tug of war sequence where they all get pulled in the mud. <laughs> I remember that. That was when I was rewatching this for the first time a couple of days ago. I was like, I vaguely remember. I remember that. Hmm. 
oh my gosh. And then the, the ending moment where the completely mud-covered radar stands up and everyone suddenly stops and looks at him and he's choppers mm-hmm. and they all walk away mm-hmm. is, is really nicely done. Because they're laughing so hard and they're having such a good time. And I'm just hoping they got all the mud off them before they went into surgery. I hope so. You can even see Larry um, Linville laughing. Like I think even he's breaking <laughs> character that they're yeah. really just having a good time. Yes. Yeah. Um, so no, but I, I think I was going to I was going to sort of say uh, that 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 to me, it's almost like um, it, it it the thing I love about the episode is that you have like the um, you have the moments of the bulletin board, which are mainly uh, Hawkeye and Trapper um, assassin. Yeah. And then but then the actual like it, it's almost like sketches where where you have like the sex scene. <laughs> of yeah, another, very, another sex lecture from Henry. Yeah. Yes. It's a very funny scene. I mean, even the first – I watched this three times. The first two times was without the laugh track, and then the third time was with the laugh track, and they work every time. I'm convinced – I was convinced by the laugh track the third time. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I didn't kind of listen. Some, you hear laugh tracks, and you go, okay, stop. You know, it, it, But you, we understand that it was uh, something they did. But without the laugh track, I was laughing. Then when I heard the laugh track, I was like, okay, that's more or less where I laughed. So <laughs> you're good. We're good. But I love you have this, this very almost like a comedy sketch. You know, like Henry just being mm-hmm. a, a doofus and, you know, doing his, doing his best. That's, I mean, that's, that's Henry to me. He's doing his best with a bunch of people who mostly don't care or are crazy. And so he's doing his best, and then it immediately what is it is next? It goes to the, um, the the brief thing with the bonds, which is just like almost like a blackout gag about yeah, the it, bonds. Yes, yeah, that's a. I couldn't think of the phrase, and I had to tip him. That's right, it is. It's almost like a laugh-in thing. Like it, you come in, pop. Here's the thing about the war bonds, and then you pop out to something else. That's exactly a blackout. That's exactly right. And then and then it goes to the sort of. I mean, I mean the thing with Henry and and the, and the patient who 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 dies and who that makes him very sad as it should i i don't you know um but uh is is kind of a through thing but that's kind of sort of the second half of the episode mm-hmm, mm-hmm. whereas the thing with with i i i want to call her margaret uh, i i don't know is there a consensus on the podcast what we call her or is it i, I generally call her margaret because i feel like hot lips is okay. is meant to be insulting i had hot lips here in my notes out of habit but i really <laughs> generally call her margaret i think in okay. later seasons she's straight up margaret because hot yes. lips is meant as a little bit of an insult <laughs> I should probably yes. change that at some point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so I'll call her Margaret then. Because um, I, I will say the, the the one other thing if, uh, is that when I when I watch this show originally for the first few years I watched it as a child I watched it with the later gang. Mm-hmm. So with Winchester and and you know you know Henry wasn't there and Frank wasn't there you know and, and so I, I will probably at least once call Frank Henry or Henry Frank because I I don't know why <laughs> but I have their names up here on the screen okay. so I'm gonna try not to do that but anyway, but. Anyways, the scene with Margaret and um, Margaret and Frank um, is sort of is almost the sort of sitcom through line through the episode. Yes, because they get the opening scene, and it's it's weird because like the the bits with with Hawkeye and Trapper, they're throwing out their gags and they're they're pretty darn funny. And the sex scene is well, the sex scene. Sorry, I make it sound like we're going in the meaning of life and they're going to have a sex <laughs> sex education. Class. Uh, but the, but the sex talk um, is is very funny, and then the scene in the. Um, uh, at the uh, at the Shirley Temple movie is some great slapstick and stuff going on in there. Some great lines, and then the um, and then the closing sequence at the picnic isn't 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 a, a, a really funny sequence per se. It's just sort of a charming mm-hmm. sort of not feel good. I don't you know, but, but I don't want to say like I stood on my desk and yelled around my house or anything when I saw it. But it's just like it's it's a good feeling. You you can see how it you know as as Hawkeye says, what is it like? We need to go crazy every once in a while, or else we're going to go crazy. Right, and. He, 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 it, and it's it's kind of a, so 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 one of the great things is that you get all these different tones in the scenes and you get some slapstick with Shirley Temple you get a lot of great verbal humor um, with the sex talk you get a blackout sequence you get great sort of physical editing lots of rushing back and forth and stuff and then you get a straight up sitcom plot line with uh, Margaret and Frank. And even even when I was watching that scene without the laugh track, I was like, laugh track goes off there, <laughs> laugh track goes off there, and I didn't do it in an annoying fashion. But but like the, can you lend me money? Oh geez, I don't know, Margaret. Oh, I, mm, yeah, you know. And 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 then he gets worse and worse as he goes along, and then he, you know, he's going to make it alone, and, 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 where he has her sign an IOU. And it's just, it's 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 this weird but fun sitcom straight up sitcom plot weaving through 
all these other little vignettes and blackouts and much more serious moments. I mean, I, I forgot Trapper, Trapper's letter. There's right. nothing yep. about that. I mean, there are humorous moments. Yeah, there are, like the, we live in a tent that's old and smelly, and I live with two guys who are young and smelly. And then Trapper and Hawkeye have like a throw, uh, like a, a pillow throwing. Oh, I love that. Almost bit. like a Laurel and Hardy kind of. I love that. Bit. Why are we wasting this on each throw other? Whatever yeah. they have at each other. <laughs> yes, exactly. But but it's just so. And that scene just just like even the way Alan Alda shoots that scene with with Trapper way in the back of I I the 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 is where is I've forgotten the name of the um the swamp the play. Yeah, well, well, he where is it? He's um he's writing his letter from. Oh, the uh, the the Oak Club. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and and the camera's kind of tracking towards him past the tables with the little red glass with the flames in them, mm-hmm. and then and then a guy picks up one of the glasses and moves the light closer to Trapper, and then you hear music playing, which you learn at the end is like playing right next to him, and it just tracks over, and then it cuts to the scenes that he's writing about. And then it cuts back to him, and I, I'm, I'm thinking, and I would imagine this was so, that it was probably one shot just tracking slowly across the tables towards Trapper, and then ending with him slapping the turntable and getting this look on his face that it's it's so good because there's so much wacky going on, but Frank's incompetence almost sent a living man to wherever they put the bodies when the doctors say they're done. And and just look on Trepper's face when he finishes the letter is just this it's it's like you you could you you know why I mean obviously you know why they joke around it, you know why you know you know, laugh at everything because everything's got to be worth laughing at because you're going to be miserable if you pause. And there's just a moment there where he's just looking, look at his face right at the end of that scene. It's like, oh, you can just feel the whole weight of all this just sort of on top of him. And it's it's a really great scene and um, almost comes out of nowhere because it's almost completely jokeless apart from the throwing the pillows and everything. The scene that, like, the, well, there are some jokes in the OR, but people are dying and it's the OR. So, so they're... The black cup, but but it's um yeah it's it's a hell of an episode I think it's it's frustrating in that uh, this this episode you know has like that little bit of Trapper writing the letter home now of course Hawkeye had done a couple they'd already done three dear dads by this point and then later on in the series they would do dear uncle Abdul and <laughs> dear, you know that Win- the Winchester would get one and dear Mildred and dear Peggy so all these other characters would get a chance to do a dear episode and here. Trapper gets one for like three minutes and you're like, why didn't they just make it dear Becky? Why didn't they just make the whole episode dear Becky and give uh, Wayne Rogers something a little more to do? I mean, he was already, as we know, unhappy with the show, but uh, you wonder if they, if he had done more like this, he would have stuck around. It's so weird that the show pops in for a minute to make it a dear Becky mm-hmm. show. And then it just, it disappears again. Like that we never hear of it. We don't see him mail the letter. We don't see it continue. It's really pretty much just that one scene. It's very, very strange. And like, I'm glad you used the, the that phrase blackout is really on the money. Cause it is, it, it, this scene does feel like that. This episode mm-hmm. is a bunch of blackouts. I did want to go back to the scene with uh, Margaret and Frank about with the money. Yes. I like that. First of all, Margaret mentions that her father is dead and uh, that's probably real news to Howitzer Al Houlihan, who appears in season nine. Uh, <laughs> she also mentions a sister, uh, who's a character that is never referred to again. And she mentions that her mother is a kleptomaniac. Another Ooh. detail that they never <laughs> addressed again. Yeah. So they just yes. left all that behind. They're just, they did it for a gag, and then the later writers were like, no, we're not, we're not keeping up with that. <laughs> that, that. That is one of those sequences where – it's 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 like we we when we when I think of Mash I think of it being you know, a sort of a, a, a groundbreaking sitcom and this was the time for that a lot of wonderful groundbreaking sitcoms but remembering too that a lot of the groundbreaking sitcoms are based in sitcoms that had come previously so this sequence where she's like yeah we don't have any money half of my money goes to my mom uh you know and, drying her out. <laughs> you know it's it's the boot yeah drying her out what about the other half it goes to court ca- bail or whatever <laughs> she's a klepto and i thought that could have been out of uh any sitcom of the 70s and variation of that could have been out of something from the 60s or 50s you know there could have you know we could have seen something like that on maybe not the honeymooners but i don't know some, december bride how about that <laughs> Something wow. like that, we, you know. Um, but but you could have seen a variation like that. Like, well, I don't have any money because you know my mom does this and then she does this, and it's 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 weird to me. It's it's it weird isn't the right word because I I um 
you know, you, you, you watch a lot of shows where when you, when you tune into them, you, you're, you're like this, this one changed the face of this or that, which the mash in, in many ways did, but there are going to be, t- I mean, it's like when you see a good times episode written by the two guys who created and wrote almost every episode of green acres. <laughs> you're like, Oh, that's a little weird. But then you realize they got to work too. So not, it, it wasn't like suddenly in the seventies, they fired everyone working before them. They're still the same sort of people working on stuff, and they do pull from these same sort of spots at times. So it's – and what's one of the things I like about the episode is you get this weird mix of um, sharp comedy, slapstick, straight-up sitcom, weird um, uh, – the, the, the letter scene and then the closing. It's, it's just weird. I, it's funny. I, I watched it – like I said, I watched it three times, and I almost felt like I would have loved it if it were an hour-long episode. And we got even even like uh, uh, give give Trapper a little bit more. Um, I don't think we need to give more to um, Margaret and Frank's um, thing, but but maybe do a little more at the picnic, and maybe like one more thing at the bulletin board or something mm-hmm. like that. Just mm-hmm. a little bit. I, I would have because I actually felt like at twenty five minutes, it 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 isn't like bullet paced, but it's not like a modern day like a modern day sitcom that's like twenty one minutes and you you watch it and like the scene changes every thirty seconds or something like that. But it is it moves pretty darn quick. It does. So I would, I would love it if it were. Um, I would love to see maybe the original script was longer, and they just kept whittling it down to get it. Or, or maybe like you said, maybe it was like a, just a thing where they just had five or six sketches, and they just just put them all together and said, "Let's do this," and base it around the bulletin board. I mean, uh, Trapper, that bit, which is a really nice sequence is based around a very brief moment that only barely involves the bulletin board. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. Really, so yeah, it's, it's an interesting episode. It's, it's a very interesting episode. The, uh, the scene with, uh, in the, in the uh, mess tent where they're watching the movie, by the way, they are watching uh, the littlest rebel with Shirley temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's the scene between the ongoing hatred between Klinger and Zale. Uh, yes. And boy, Zale's an asshole. I mean, he yeah. just really is. I mean, he, 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 he picking on, Klinger, because Klinger's wearing a dress. And then at one point, uh, Klinger gets up. Uh, the nurse that he's with, uh, that Klinger's on the date with, tries to sort of deflate the situation and says, I could use some popcorn, which, you know, and then Klinger goes and gets the popcorn. And while Klinger's away, uh, Zale sits in his seat. And Klinger comes back and insists that Zale get up. And Zale gets up. And then Zale literally lunges from behind Klinger and grabs him around the throat with his arm. I'm like, yes. what the hell is this? What is wrong <laughs> yes. with this guy? Like, come on. like, it's one thing to kind of get in a scrap with a guy you don't like. But, like, that's practically yeah. physical assault for Pete's sake. Like, yes. come on, Zale. Jeez. Yeah. And, and then I think Father Mulcahy ends up getting smacked with yes, the door or something. He and he comes back, like, with his hand over. And when he comes back with the MP, he's kind of got his hand over his face. I thought, does he have a black eye or something? What's <laughs> like, it was just geez, the lighting, but I thought, oh, guys. don't do that. Oh my God. So, yeah, that's a, that's a very extreme scene. So then it leads right next to, except the, 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 the part with Henry seeing that the patient has died yes. and he's upset. And then, then, then they do the bit where about the, uh, the announcement of the, the picnic. Now, I have to mention, uh, Hawkeye says it's the Polly Adler yes. uh, Memorial uh, Picnic and or, or fundraiser picnic. Now – Polly Adler is a name that has appeared on MASH twice. Colonel Potter mentions Polly Adler in a later episode. I never knew who Polly Adler was, so this episode was my uh, reason to look it up. And for those of you who don't know who Polly Adler is, I will explain who she is. Dan, do you know who she is? Yeah, you know, I, w- I was actually going to look that name up, and then I thought, I think Rob might do that. Yeah, there so we go. Said, <laughs> Sorry about that. No, no problem. So Polly Adler was a madam. In the 1920s and 30s, oh. uh, she was basically – she opened her first bordello in 1920 under the protection of mobster Dutch Schultz, uh, and he, she was a friend of mobster Charles Lucky Luciano. Uh, this detail that I loved, one building in which she plied her trade was the Majestic at 215 West 75th Street, oh. designed by architect Schwartz and Gross and completed in 1924, which contained hidden stairways and secret doorways. Oh. I am like – Oh, my God. And so I, as I was reading her Wikipedia page, I was like, how have they not made a movie about Polly Adler? Well, yeah. they have made a movie about of Polly course. Adler. 1964's A House Is Not a Home starring Shelley Winters as Polly Adler. I have got of to course. see this movie. I have got to see this movie. Of course it's Shelley Winters. Yes. I wouldn't, all, all I Why wouldn't it Shelley- be? <laughs> 
All I can think of is Shelley Winters, and is it, she's the bad guy. She's mommy in Cleopatra Jones, I believe, <laughs> if I remember correctly. So I think it's perfect. That's yeah, perfect. I have got to see. I don't know if it's available on DVD, but I have got to see that movie now because now I'm just fascinated of like a madam living in like a, a parlor with secret doorways. I'm like, that just sounds like, oh my God, that sounds fantastic. That's, yeah. That, that, that's like um, that's like a variation of like H.H. H. Holmes's murder hotel in Chicago, except if you go up one of the secret staircases, you're not going to drop into a vat of acid. <laughs> there might be a lovely lady there. <laughs> that sounds awesome. That just sounds fantastic. awesome. So. And, and if oh, and if like if like Don Knotts and Tim Conway were still alive, they oh, could have been the yeah. two wacky detectives. Oh, that would have been amazing. <sighs> so so anyway, yeah, that that'll Thank be a, a, a topic for a film and water at some point. Is the, is the house is not a home starring starring Shelley Winter. So <laughs> the next big sequence is basically given up to the picnic and. Mm. Uh, kind of related to two previous episodes this season. One, um, Life with Father, where they have a brisk being performed over the radio. And we, we commented, me and my guest commented at the time, how they let the brisk ceremony basically play out in real time. And it's like it's, you know, if you never knew what a brisk was, you'd learn after this episode because <laughs> they really give you all the details. And then um, in the previous episode, the Private Charles Lamb, where they have the Greek uh, festival, they let that play out. And so it's very similar in style to this, where it's almost like TV verite, where you don't really get the sense that things are being scripted, that they're just letting the actors play their parts and do the thing. Like, the egg race or the, the, the spoon race with the water we have to bring. Yes. And you can see the actors yelling and you can see some some actresses that play nurses who you really aren't that familiar with, like hugging and laughing and they're grabbing like they're playing. And you could tell the actors are just having a really good time and they really let the whole scene just play out. And as you said, there's no real laughs here for the most mm-hmm. part. It's just, just watching everybody fun. having yes. fun. And that's kind of very charming in its own way that they didn't feel the need to like, well, they have to like shape this. It's just like, nah, Alan Alda is just like, let's just let it go. Now they do yeah. drop in a little bit. We see Henry walk by looking sad and we see that Hawkeye notices that they yes. do follow up when they do the sack race. They do follow up um, with uh, the Frank and Margaret where Mark, you know, Frank finally says, yeah, I'll give you the loan, <laughs> but at a very reasonable interest rate, that's better 5%. than you get it. 5%. It's better than you get at any bank. So that's oh, so that clueless. Bit. He's so clueless. I mean, we know that's Frank, but it's yeah. just like, oh, come on. <laughs> so the one actor I want to mention in the episode is uh, is an uncredited nurse. Uh, she's not given any name and she doesn't get any lines. She's the actress is named Jennifer Davis Westmore. She's the actress that walks by Klinger's kissing booth. Oh, and yeah, yeah. and when he says, you know, he kind of like points to the sign, she laughs at him. And then during the race, uh, Hawkeye is the one like right. slapping her leg and saying, yeah. uh, you know, I, I get to I get the winner. And Trapper says, I get the loser. My mom told me to stay away from fast women. <laughs> she she doesn't have any other credits, basically, except for mash episodes. She was on 11 mashes playing always an uncredited nurse. And she, she's according to IMDb, she's even in Goodbye, Farewell and Amen. Which is amazing that she was on the show over that run of wow. eight seasons. She kept coming back and apparently never got a line, which is kind of amazing. That yeah, that that's cool. Yeah, I, I just there are shows and and forgive me for mention, but shows like say like Doctor Who, where it's during its original run, like back in the sixties through the eighties, you would get like uncredited people like mm-hmm. showing up again and again and again. To the point was like, oh, it's that guy. He's going to get killed again. Right. Okay, so so that that's kind of if you hit that. Like I've been an extra, never on Mash. I'm not, I'm not that old, um, but um, I I've been an extra, and you could like I was an extra on Beverly Hills 90210 like half a dozen what? times. Yeah, you never yeah, told me in, that. Yeah, back in ninety seven. 98-ish. Yeah, I was I was an extra on Star Trek Insurrection for like three weeks. And I, I, you're, I didn't learn that. I didn't know any of this, Dan. But this is amazing. Uh, well, well, when you do your Star Trek Insurrection episode, I can uh, – for Film and Water, I, I can discuss wow. that. That will be in 2034. Um, I don't know. Wow. So the, they, yeah. they were going to give it to you, and then they got Anthony Zerby instead, right? Ex- was that how that was? Precisely, out? precisely. Okay. Yes, I was one of the Baku in the village. It was a lovely village, <laughs> oh and God. and the, the the like the second assistant director, the one who's in charge of extras, was this was during the summer and during the 
TV uh, season, he was the um, guy for uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Uh, oh, wow. And so a bunch of us just befriended him because literally it was more than three weeks. It was it was probably over a month, like four to five days a week. We would go to this Baku village outside of L.A. and we would just do the – and so it became one of those things where like you'd show up at like 6, 7 in the morning. Hey, everybody, what you doing? Let me get my Baku outfit and have you washed this? No. <laughs> oh, God. And you just sit there out in the sun all day and you just do this um, – You just and you got to know everybody. And, and eventually he was like, hey – when the TV season starts up again, I'll have you on 90210. And wow. I was on like half a dozen episodes. And oh, my it was, God. <laughs> yeah, it was – I mean, yeah. I'm at like the Peach Pit, I think. Is that the name? You know, yeah, the, the, name, the, of the yeah, name of the diner or whatever, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm in a couple of those and there were a few others where I'm like walking around or pretending to talk to people. Usually what I would do when I was an extra, I would, I would like – because you're not supposed to talk or you're supposed to whisper and I would say – Hello, my name is Dan Budnick, and I'm a very nice boy. <laughs> and I would say things like that, you know, because it always made everyone comfortable because you'd have to do that like 10 times. Uh, uh, but but yeah, no, I was I did that. And so so like someone like her being on a show like I mean, that that must have been cool because I would bet whenever she came back, they were like, hey, yeah, hey, Jennifer, how you doing? Well, yeah. Welcome back. Yeah. Because you, you'd see the I mean, it's not like the Star Trek cast, like Patrick Stewart came up to me and said, I can't do his voice. You know, Dan, thank you so much for being back. You know, but but occasionally one of them would look over at us and I'd nod and they'd be like, hey, yeah, that jerk. No, they wouldn't say that. But um, maybe they were tired. I don't know. how. Um, but um, but yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that idea that she was just like a featured extra. Yeah. Like 11 times because that's pretty cool because now we're talking about her. Yeah, right. Which exactly. Is bitching. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. So, okay. So before I get to the scene that I want to specifically mention about the tug of war, because there's a very sure. strange edit for syndication. What, what is the scene that you were talking about? You said there was one in particular you wanted to discuss. It is. Oh, well, well, it, the, the, the one that I remember is the tug of war. Okay. Okay. Uh, but, but I, I will just say that, um, the thing I love about the, um, the whole, uh, I guess this is why I said it reminded me of battle of the network stars is it's that <clears throat> it's the spoon sequence mm-hmm. where, um, uh, in, in, it's it's not a, I mean there are a lot of cuts in it obviously it goes on for maybe I felt like it went on for maybe two minutes but it might be shorter than that I, I'm not sure um, but it went on for at least a minute and it's people literally like running 20 feet from one bucket of water mm-hmm. with a spoon not running walking quickly to a glass tipping it and then running back to the bucket and handing the spoon to someone else and the great thing about the way it's shot is it's all like like there's one moment where like radar does it and the camera just follows him as he goes kind of slowly, right. dips the water in, then it almost swished pant like right back to him at the bucket the at the big bucket of water and it just it keeps up this it's like a verite almost like a um like it's it is a live event kind mm-hmm. of thing yeah the the, tr- the tricky thing is that they never quite you never quite get how far they're supposed to fill up the glass no right you don't see it's not like one of the glasses is filled with water or anything yes or there's a big like white line or something so, so what ends up happening is i thought the team in the foreground was winning then all of a sudden the team in the background won and the gal with the big red hair won. And for a second, I thought Flo. It wasn't Flo. <laughs> it was a nurse with sort of big red hair. And um, she's the one that's but, kissing a Trapper at the Punch and Judy show. Yes, and he's kind of he kind of puts his hand on on her on her hair and gives gives yes yes. And all the nurses are in shorts, which is fun. And um, all the kids look like they're having such a good time. The nuns are in shorts. I'm kidding. The nuns look <laughs> like they're having a great time. I love that sequence. I just. I don't. It's it's funny. A, a week ago, I rewatched a film I hadn't watched in ages because it just came out on Blu-ray called Tokyo Olympiad. Okay. I don't know if you've seen that. I have not. It's it's from 1965. You oh Rob, it's beautiful. It's it it covers the 1964 Tokyo Olympics. It's three hours long, and it's basically they asked it, the Tokyo Film Institute or the the folks in charge of film in Tokyo or in Japan asked a gentleman, a filmmaker to make a film about the Tokyo Olympics. And instead of making a straightforward sports film, he made this kind of impressionistic, weird thing. And it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it is, I'm not a huge sports guy, but I, I do recognize beautiful movies when I see them. And this is one. And there, one of the things he did in his films is he kind of, through a lot of the things he kind of threw out sort of like during certain events, you can't really tell 
who's winning or who's losing. You just see people doing these amazing things. Hmm. And and then in the end, it's sort of like he'll he'll kind of delineate. Okay, this person and this person, kind of thing. Um, but but to, to him, it wasn't about who won or who lost. It was you were already there, so you already won. So let's um, uh, applaud that and just and it's so gorgeous and it's it's wide it's two three five, it's maybe even two four or something and it's gorgeous and and when I was watching this scene, I kind of thought of that because in the end, who cares who wins? No right. one cares. Yes, exactly. That, just, was, right. that was not about who wins, although. That that hit me for a brief moment. It's just about everyone having fun, like with the tug of war, and and so like like to me, it's specifically like I think at one point, like either Trapper or Hawkeye yells something about how great one of the nuns is doing. You know, he doesn't like hey say like hey nun, you're doing awesome, but he's like oh my god, sister, you're having so much fun, or something like that. You know, you see the little girls running with the spoons, and the water is going everywhere, and you think how deep are those spoons? Because it looks like the water's coming out of those spoons every time they're running. Yeah, I know. They're, they're doing... they, people are they're pouring like maybe one drop into the glass. Yeah, but 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 you do see it in real time, mm-hmm. so, and it looks like the spoons are deeper than we think. But it's just it's so much fun. You realize it's 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 yeah the the beauty. It's it. I, this is not – I will say the other thing I thought of – I know what you're thinking. Dan, you thought of Battle of the Network Stars. Dan, you thought of Tokyo Olympiad. Huh, what's next, Dan? Um, uh, well, <laughs> I don't even know what I thought. No, no. Um, what I thought of uh, next was I actually thought of the MASH the movie because when you watch the MASH movie, do you ever think – Unless you've seen it before, that it's going to end with a football game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's. I I will say the first time I ever saw the Mesh movie, I was like, "Wow, this football sequence is really going on pretty long." <laughs> Isn't this movie and, called Mash? What's going on? Why is the? Yeah. Why is there? Why is this? Why am I at minute forty of the football scene? Yes. And I because I first when I first discovered the the I actually uh, uh, the Mash movie I first discovered in Mad Magazine before I saw the movie. And the, their parody ends with this, like two pages of football. <laughs> I thought that can't be right. <laughs> but then I watched the movie and I was like, "What?" And it's sort of like at the beginning of Mash. If you went to see it in the, the if you were standing at the in the line in 1970 and saying, "Should we see Airport or Mash?" Mm, I kind of like both of them, <laughs> but I say you should see Mash. And you go to see Mash. You if if you well does the book end like that? I haven't read the book in. Decades. I, I can't say. No, um, I, I blot out the. I never. I don't like those match books at all. So I just okay. blot them okay. out as I read them. But yes. Okay. But yeah, yeah. The, yeah. But the scene, the picnic scene, it's like nobody's mic'd. You know, like yes. it, it's yes. just sort of just they're just picking up the ambient sound, and you hear some people talk, and other people's not. But nobody has a line. It is very know? Altman. Yeah, it is yeah. very Altman. Yeah, like that. Yeah. So now the scene that I wanted to mention specifically features one of the strangest cuts okay. uh, ever in syndication. Now I've mentioned <laughs> a lot that these shows were when I watched them at my local Philadelphia Channel 29 station. They were cut uh, for syndication because, of course, they have to insert more commercials. Sometimes uh, the syndicator uh, would chop out one whole scene and leave the rest of the show intact. And then other times they would see that they would chop out 30 seconds from six scenes to get it down. <laughs> and it always made me think, God, there's, there's literally what hundreds of versions of mash episodes out there. Yes. Like every local market cut it differently, which is amazing. But, uh, in this scene where they're, they're all doing the tug of war and they all get dunked into the, the mud and you can see they're all having a good time. You can see even Larry Linville's laughing. So I mean, I think they're just breaking character. And then, so there's this, moment where radar is covered in mud his glasses are covered he stands up and he pauses and everyone then sees that he has paused Mm -hmm. and he stands there for a moment and it's it's completely silent and then he turns slightly over to the doctors nods his head and they know what that means and they all get up trudge out of the mud and walk away and then there's a reverse shot of all of them from the back and you see, then you hear some ADR of Gary Berghoff or Radar saying choppers. So you're like, okay. Now, in the syndicated version that I saw, oh for some reason, the syndicator decided the scene of them climbing out of the mud from the back was to be cut. And he just took the audio of Radar saying choppers and dropped it over the previous scene where it's clear that Radar's not talking. So I remember <laughs> watching it going, What's happening here? Like, he's not talking. <laughs> Why do we, like, what I don't understand. 
there's this big close-up of Gary Berghoff just standing there, mouth closed, and mm. you just hear, Chappers! I'm like, what? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, I couldn't understand why the, why the syndicator just didn't leave the other scene in. I was like, it's uh, one of the b- most bizarre edits. I, and I, oh, I wow. wish I could see it again now, because now I have the DVDs, and I have it on uh, iTunes. It's perfect. But I'd really mm. kill to see that weird edit again, because it's just yeah. so strange. Like, what a weird idea. Because I mean, I, I, it's it's all part of the edit and the the performance and everything too. You need that. You need that pause. Yeah. Where where you know, like he knows he he's gonna yell choppers. Yep. But everyone yep. already knows, and he's kind of he hasn't ruined it. But it, the fun is over. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great. Yeah. It's very very odd. So, but yes. I, uh, yeah, it's a great it's a great episode. And by the way, I did want to mention before we before we get to our favorite jokes of the episode is I want to re- mention the writer. Uh, I mentioned Larry Gelbart and written by Simon Muntner. This is Simon Muntner's first mash credit. He would go on to write five other episodes. He started out with the show Rollout, which was a sort of. Uh, you know, the sort of African-American version of MASH produced by Gene Reynolds, which didn't last very long. But I can only imagine that much like how you made friends with the casting guy and that got you <laughs> jobs later on. Uh, I'm guessing that Simon Munner, whatever script he wrote for Rollout, must have imp- impressed Gene Reynolds to the point where they, you know, kind of graduated him and gave him a MASH script. And he went on to write some actually some of the really good episodes of the series. Uh, he went on to work on shows like TJ Hooker, Mrs. Columbo. He wrote. A show called Grady, which was the spinoff oh, yes. of Sanford yes. and Son. I didn't know that was a thing. Yes. Oh, yes. I think a lot of us knew, Rob. A lot of us knew. <laughs> I had no idea. When I saw it, I was like, oh, that. And then it was like, oh, no, it's, wow, it was actually a spin. It was like a 10 episode spinoff of, of Sanford and Son. I didn't know that existed. Uh, he later on in his career, he worked on Robocop the series, wow. Police Academy the series. So he was wow. obviously your go to guy. Uh, he passed away in 2005, but he basically just had a very long career in television. And this is a solid episode. Like for his, for his as jumbled as it is with bits and pieces, it is a yes. very solid show. It's funny. It's got some great – all kinds of different humor, and then it's got some nice drama, and then you have this big nice picnic scene. So overall, it's a really good episode. Yes. I um I, I think I think in in any now I, obviously at this point in in the series no one was sitting there going wow we have seven and a half seasons left or whatever or whatever was left in the show but um they I know the ratings were kicking ass at yeah. this time so they knew they were going to continue for for some time if they so chose but I, I the thing to me about an episode like this is like in the context of the whole show this is just a beautiful series of little vignettes and weird asides and things that um you know well didn't alan alda win a an emmy did he win an emmy i don't think he won it for this one he won a lot of emmys okay. for mash but you okay. don't think he won it for this one okay i thought i thought he got nominated or something but but it's it's like um uh it's it's just i think in a show that ran this long and that can get so serious at times you need an episode like this that does get serious but also has straight up funny stuff but has stuff where the characters we love are having fun mm-hmm. in the midst of horror, mm-hmm. and that's 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 one of the that's what I mean. It's it's not quite a, a sort of day in the life slice of life kind of thing because it's a bit too sort of choppy, yeah, for that. Um, but it's 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 something a little different, and I, I think it's it's it's. It, <laughs> I was going to say it's not something I would choose in any way, shape, or form to introduce someone to Mash. No, because no. because uh, to me. I, I I love Hawkeye. I, I just I, Hawkeye is one of my favorite characters. But in this one, he just seems like most of the time he just seems like an ass. Apart from near the end, but but that's his that's the point of it. You know, is that he's wisecracking all the time. But in this one, there's sort of there's sort of no reference point for him mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. Um, because it's about everyone else, and he's just this guy sitting off to one side throwing out the wisecracks and making kissy faces at uh, Frank during the yeah, sex life. Exactly, exactly. So, so, so you might watch this one and then be surprised that the show wasn't about like Frank and Margaret. Right. <laughs> I thought this was about a develop. I thought this was like Angie. It was a developing romance between two young people, or you know, moonlighting, or so. You know, it was a, it was going to be it was a meet cute and when do they you know this kind of thing when do they get married sort of thing no it's more about hawkeye um in some ways but you can't tell from this episode so um i would put this down on the list but i think once you got some sort of warmed up to the show you could show them this and say sometimes they go a little nuts mm-hmm. absolutely and, and, and yeah and and sometimes you 
we got to go crazy or else we'll all go crazy. So there you go. Do you have a uh, – outside of that line, do you have a particular favorite joke or line from the episode? You know, that's, that's actually the line that I possibly love the most. I do love um, the this, this sequence. Here's, here's the thing like the – I was trying to take down a favorite line from the sex talk sequence, but there are so many funny ones in there that it's almost uh, – to me, it's almost like watch that sequence because that's got a lot of great gags. I do like Radar's defending the Shirley Temple movie. <laughs> Come on, you guys. Shirley Temple movie, <laughs> which which I love. I love Father Mulcahy getting slugged by the door or whatever it was. Um, and um, uh, But I, I do – um, one line I did write down. I, it's it's not. Um, I don't know if it's not the funniest line in, in, anyway. But I just love at the end of um, uh, Frank and Margaret's first discussion when they're throwing quotes back at each other. Right, right. And then Margaret ends with um, "Blow it out your ear, Margaret Houlihan," <laughs> and then she storms away. It's not the funniest line, but it's a good it's a good zinger to end your your scene. I just think I think there's a lot of funny lines in here, and I had a tough time picking out one, so I just threw a pile. There are a bunch of great ones. My favorite one actually is in a run that I didn't even mention in my synopsis. The show opens with Hawkeye and Trapper yes. on the yes. compound with one of those paddle balls. Yes. And and uh, Hawkeye is doing it, and he's doing it very well. Alan Alda is really doing it. Flop, 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 flop. And Trapper is counting the rhythm as he's like 50, 55, 60, 65, 70. And then so he finishes it like 72 or something. And Trapper goes, watch this. And he can't even do one. Yeah. And the ball just goes sailing, you know, whatever. And, and of course, Alan Alda, gifted with one of the best laughs in all of television, starts laughing uncontrollably. And Trapper gets really irritated. And he has this line where he almost – again, the way that – uh, the way that Wayne Rogers says it is perfect because it's an almost aside. Is that when in the middle of Hawkeye laughing, laughing uncontrollably at how bad Trapper is with the paddle ball, he just goes, "What'd you do? Change balls on me?" Which makes Hawkeye laugh even louder. And I just just the way he says yeah. it, "What'd you do? Change ball?" Like he's so irritated that this meaningless game that Hawkeye's beating him, he just can't. What did you do? I I laugh at that so hard, and the fact that it yeah. makes Hawkeye laugh harder at Trapper. It's just so yeah. funny to me. I just love it. It's such a great way to open the show. He's so and, and, pissed. And there, there's a thing you, you could see on Trapper's face when he's counting Hawkeye's. You could see he's bored out of his yep, mind. Yep, yep. He's like, this is – they're sitting right by the bulletin board. It's almost like, please, bulletin board, do beautiful <laughs> magic bulletin board. Do something. Something is Because I am so bored and I – I don't want to operate on anyone, right? Oh, but I also don't want to hear this yeah, for another hour. It's fantastic. I just love it. So, well, Dan, thank you so much. You know, course, I always enjoy podcasting with you. We've always had a Same. great time, no matter what it is we're covering, whether it's a porno film or a police <laughs> squad or whatever it is, or in search of. We always have the mm. best time. So, thank you so much for coming on. I'm just so excited. So, why don't you tell people where they can find all your various projects on the internet? Yeah. I will do that quickly. Uh, I'm on a podcast called uh, Made for TV Mayhem Show with the great uh, author uh, Amanda Reyes. Right, who's been on this show a bunch of times. Yes, and um, uh, and Amanda's been my podcast pal now for four or five years. And – uh, and that also Nathan Johnson, one of the um, uh, podcasters on The History Continues, one of the great slasher film podcasts. We do the Made for TV Mayhem show, um, Made for TV movies. The last one we did was on Shannon Doherty movies. <laughs> I am not 100% sure what the next one is going to be. Amanda's in charge of planning. Um, I also do a podcast that Rob has been on six times. Hello. Uh, it's called Eventually Super Train. It's a short-lived <laughs> TV show podcast. Uh, Rob was on there so long ago. Oh, God. Oh, it was the before times. Yes, it was because I just posted on July 4th, 2020 was our fourth anniversary. Wow. And I posted episode 89. And at this point, we are on – we are discussing – myself and my friend, podcaster Tim Turner, are discussing Nero Wolf, uh, the 1981 Nero Wolf, not the really good one with um, uh, Timothy Hutton and Maury Chaikin, the other <laughs> one, uh, with William Conrad. We love William Conrad. William Conrad, though, as, sure. As Wolf and Lee Horsley, a.k.a. Matt, Matt Houston. Houston. Yes. <laughs> as Archie Goodwin. It's not as good, but we're having fun. So we are on episode five of that. And then each episode is three segments. Uh, then I'm discussing the show Shadow Chasers from 1985-86. That is a Kenneth Johnson, he of the Bionic Woman and V and the Incredible Hulk. Oh, sure. 
Yeah, and this is this is one of his shows, um, and it was one of it, 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 its notoriety in the history of television. Is it was one of the first shows put on a network up against Cosby Show and Family Ties in nineteen eighty five. Which meant it lasted nine episodes and was literally, if you hunt down ratings, it's literally Shadow Chasers is at the bottom, like number 106, every single week. Now, I know it had one viewer. Thank you very much. But, um, yeah, it was, a, it was in the toilet from day one. So I'm discussing episode eight of Shadow Chasers. And then myself and my friend, author Mitchell Hadley, are discussing – and I know what this is going to sound like. Short-lived TV shows, damn. Explain this one. But we are discussing the final episode of Bourbon Street Beat, which is a detective show from Warner Brothers, which is a semi-spinoff from 77 Sunset Strip at the end of the 50s. Wow. It's called Bourbon Bourbon Street Beat, because they did 77 Sunset Strip, Bourbon Street Beat, Surfside Six, and Hawaii and I. Bourbon Street Beat is the only one that ran one season. So Mitchell and I, after much discussion, we are in this last episode discussing episode 39 of Bourbon Street Beat. And when you're thinking about shows nowadays, you're, most shows have like 10 episodes a season, 13 episodes a season. And you're thinking, Dan, how did you do a short-lived show that lasted 39 episodes? Well, it was the 1950s, and things were different. And and so that's where we are now. And I will say that um, I was thinking about the show. It's uh, I've been doing it a long time. And the longest, the most episodes of the show was Bourbon Street Beat, 39 episodes, which is probably the most we're ever going to have. But I realized... I, th- I thought at first, Rob, the police squad was the shortest at six episodes. And then I thought, yes, I could tell Rob he was he had the shortest run on the show. <laughs> but unfortunately, there is – well, or fortunately, there is another show. The shortest show I've done on, on there on Adventure Super Train is 1980, five episodes <laughs> beyond Westworld. Oh, <laughs> I and had I've no idea listen- that was a show until I I've been discovered it the yes, other day. So yes. Yeah, yeah, um, uh, yeah. Beyond Westworld, it's not very good. Um, <laughs> as it, it literally, they made five episodes and they only aired three. And the only reason it exists is because it was Warner Brothers and Warner Archive put it out on a DVD. Oh wow! So, okay. All right. So, so that's eventually Super Train and my other two really quick. Uh, I have a Happy Days podcast, which is similar to Mashcast, except. It's mostly just me um, uh, covering Happy Days. Uh, it's called Rockin' All Week with You, uh, a Happy Days podcast because there's another one. Um, and I do two episodes at a time. And right now I am in the second half of season three of Happy Days, right around the time when the Vernon Shirley premieres. Mm. Um, and mostly it's me. I have had at least one guest on talking a Christmas episode. And Amanda uh, Reyes has told me that she will join me for anything post-Richie. Because she's not a huge Richie fan, although she's at the moment not a huge Scott Bayo fan either. So wow. I'm not sure if I'm I, able I, to pull. <laughs> yeah, so it's going to get tricky when it goes there. But there's that, and the last thing I'm doing is Pieces and Pieces, which is a minute. This, this was actually I thank you and Chris Rob for this um, because uh, your Superman movie minutes. Uh, you guys go five minutes at a time, mm-hmm. and I had done several minute by minutes, and I go minute by minute. But Pieces and Pieces. I started doing about two months ago, and I thought, you know, there's this virus going around, and we all could be dead very soon. I don't know. So I want to finish. I'm sorry. You can cut that. I'll I'll, I'll give you take two. No, no. This is all staying in. I'm just just castigating you on the air. That's all. Um, uh, so, so, so when I started doing, cause I've been doing minute by minute and sometimes I did double features and I covered films like night of horror, night to dismember, last slumber party, ice, blood, lake, uh, zombie, lake and burial ground, which was done on film and water, I believe. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to do pieces, the glorious Spanish early 80s slasher. But I thought, you know, with all the craziness going on in the world, who wants to get one minute a week? Let me do it in chunks. So Pieces and Pieces is done in pieces. It's done in chunks and segments. So each episode is between two to five minutes, covers two to five minutes of the movie. The last one I put out, episode 11, covers the dancing gal who is being observed by the killer with this huge hat. If you know Pieces, you know what I'm talking about. Through a little window, she's dancing. And then at the end of the minute, he cuts off her arms and leaves her dead body in an elevator. And it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. Trust me. <laughs> Oh, you don't have to, but but it's it's a really weird, crazy slasher film, and I've been I've been doing because you guys went five minutes at a time with Superman. I thought, wait a minute, I can do that too. 
So I've I've expanded. So so that's what I'm doing now. Pieces and pieces, happy days, adventure super train, made for TV mayhem, all fun, I hope. <laughs> so all right, I, I have to admit I I have never seen pieces. I hate to tell you that. Um well, that's what but I never have. And I've also never seen Shadow Chasers. Mm. Uh, but, you know, Shadow Chasers may have gone up against the Cosby show, but neither Trevor, Eve, or Dennis Dugan are in prison. So <laughs> True. they got the last laugh on that, in that regard. So. They, they won that one. They, they won yes. that one. So. Yes, and Dennis Dugan directed like a dozen Adam Sandler films. So and, whether or not you like Adam Sandler, he and he did directed Brain Donors. He did, and he'll show up on MASH this season, by the way. Oh he will gosh. show up. Yes, he will appear. There you have it. Love and marriage. Yeah. So there you go. Well, anyway, Dan, thank you once again. You know I love podcasting either, so I really appreciate you coming <laughs> on MASHcast. So, of course, everybody, if you want to follow the show, you can find all the back episodes on the website, firewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We're always talking MASH over on Twitter at MASH477Cast. And finally, you can support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So big salute to Adam Sanders, Nicholas Prom, Russell Burbage, Stan Peel, and Suzanne Holland for their support of MASHcast. So that's going to do it for this episode. So until next week, that is all. Doing too great for the orphans, Father. No? Well, how much so far? Three nurses, three bucks. I could make more, but you wouldn't believe what they expect for a dollar.